it's such a deeply personal process that, you know, whatever you're feeling is going to kind of come up as, as you're doing it. And so what I learned though, is that I, I could really lean in to that process, even when I wasn't feeling inspired. That is painter Jess Velarde. Hi, I'm Bobby Brill, and on this episode of Creative Mind, we spend a little bit of time talking with painter Jess Velarde. And she is one of those artists you meet that has a tremendous breadth of accomplishment. She basically had always wanted to be a painter, but had a great career working as a photographer and interior designer, and then decided at one point, well, I'm gonna go back to school and get my master's degree and become a painter. And that's where she is now. And it's really a great story and inspirational in that it shows that with the right kind of attitude and, of course, the right mindset, you can accomplish that goal of becoming a working painter. And Jess walks us through many of the things she's done, the approach of looking at this as a business, which is going to help her succeed. Because in reality, a lot of art is about being a freelance artist. And having one part of your mind in the art world and one part of your mind in the business world. And she has some tremendous experience and tips when it comes to that. And be on the lookout for a special video episode where Jess walks us through how she built her website and built her online persona. And we've got some great tips for that that's coming up. So check in the show notes for that. And before we start with Jess again, please do hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us in so you never miss an episode of Creative Mind. And here we are with Jess Velarde. All right, Jess Velarde, you're a painter, which is kind of that end-all, be-all, pinnacle, mountaintop type of artist. But you have a very long journey from being an actual working artist what we all strive for really, to now becoming a painter, which a lot of people go, well, how do you make money as a painter? So you got 30 seconds, explain how that whole thing happened. That's an excellent question. Yeah, I have a very roundabout journey coming back to painting. I, I knew that I wanted to do it from the time I was like six years old. I can never remember a time when I wasn't you know, I didn't want to be an artist, um, but I was really intimidated by painting. I was really afraid of being bad at it. <laughs> and so I gave myself permission to try all of these other things, right? So I started doing a little bit of design work. I did photography, which is eventually what took off and became a full-time business doing portraiture and weddings. Um, and I liked it. Uh, but I, it wasn't what I really loved. It didn't kind of call to my soul like painting did. Um, and yet I, I found myself, you know, having a business with it. And I think a big part of that is that I didn't care about it nearly as much as I cared about painting. So I let myself, I gave myself permission to fail, um, which is an ingredient that you need to actually succeed at something, ironically. So, <laughs> But how, how does one pivot from... I'm making money as a photographer. I'm doing weddings and portraiture, which, you know, is a very lucrative business. Um, you were working as a designer. You, you've done commercial interiors and art direction, kind of, you know, those big heavy names. But really to go to painting, which really seems like the most difficult uphill battle. What was it that was not fulfilling for you? I think, you know, this answer is certainly going to be different for everyone. Because when I was doing photography, when I was doing design, 
I had people who who looked at me from the outside and said, oh, that's my dream. That's what I want to do. Meanwhile, I was sitting there, you know, doing that work full time and looking at painters, you know, saying the same thing. There's not necessarily like anything wrong with what I was doing. It was just wrong for me. Um, I think with painting, uh, there's something about the tactile nature of it. There's something about being able to work with my hands. It's very, very um, gritty and earthy and experiential. And I really found myself missing that. Um, I think that's the, the part of the creative process that makes me feel most alive and, and awake to the present moment. And although I enjoyed certain aspects of photography and of design, um, you know, most of it was computer-based or it was working with clients. Um, and I, I never really had an experience within those fields of a very hands-on creative part of the process. It was either, you know, off doing this sort of digital creative work on my own in a little cave of editing or designing. <laughs> and then it was, you know, very um, front facing, very on, very, you know, working with clients and managing projects. And painting for me feels like this perfect in-between where it's, it's still a very involved tactile experience, but that's kind of the essence of the creative process for it. And it just felt like the right fit for me. And obviously, again, that's not going to be true for everyone, but um, that's just something that I've known. Like, I, I don't feel the same way when I'm creating in other mediums as I do when I'm painting. And I know that sounds like a very fluffy answer, <laughs> but that's really what it was. <laughs> well, it, it sounds fluffy, but fluffy in the right ways. Because I think yeah. what, I want to key on one of the things you said, which I, I think is interesting. You had to be on when you're working as a photographer. You had to be on when you are doing client-facing work, meaning you know there's a lot less creativity and more selling. I can understand how, yeah, it would be very, very trying after a while if you're just trying to create having to appease masters that just don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and kudos to you. I, I have done uh, two weddings, my sisters and a friend's, and I will never do them again. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So much respect for people who do that. I was teaching workshops. I was, I was doing it full time. I was in it enough to know what that would be like if I continued to give my life to that. I knew it, it wasn't for me. And I kind of, um, when I let, when I closed down my photography business, I, I did so right before I went back to finish my undergraduate degree and I was wow. studying fine art in that. Um, and so I had this big kind of moment of like, no, I'm, I need to give myself permission to do what I really want to do and, and to, to go back and, and do painting. And then after I graduated, um, I went to school on the East Coast, and my husband and I then moved back to California after I graduated, and I I got this opportunity, you know, kind of by accident to start doing this design work and, and the environmental branding and project management, and I, I got, I kind of fell into that, and I realized, I had, I had this moment, I was like, oh, I, I've been here before. <laughs> <laughs> this feels familiar. <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah. I, I was back in this situation where I found myself like, oh, I could make a, I'm making a good living. I could, you know, run a business doing this. Do I want to face myself, you know, five years from now and be exactly where I was with photography 
but just, you know, fill in the blank with a different medium, with a different form of creative work. And, and I knew the answer was no. Um, and the funny thing was, is that I never even got the chance to actually like step away and take that leap because I lost my job. <laughs> like the day I, I was actually like meditating and praying about this. And that day I, I had had this kind of conversation with, with myself and with God that morning of like, oh, I know that this isn't right. I know this isn't what I really want to do, but I'm really enjoying the work. It was still creative enough. It was really energizing. It was, I was doing these big projects uh, that I, I really loved. And I was like, oh, I, I'm going to have a hard time stepping away from this when the time comes. So we'll have to figure that out. <laughs> that day, I find out they're, they're cutting the position that, that I, I had started doing. And so um, that was a huge shift. And, and that's actually when I ended up deciding to, to go back for my MFA and to come to the academy. But um, yeah, it was... <laughs> it's, it's always nice when you, when, you, when you get down on your knees and go, I need a sign. And then, oh yeah, you're, you're ready for your sign? It's going to be really, really big. I hope you don't miss it. <laughs> oh my gosh, could have been a nicer sign. It was a pretty crappy sign, but it was a good... It, it was good. <laughs> so I, I want to ask you though, because you know I'm, I'm going to harp on it just a little bit more. Um, because, you know, fortunately for you, you were able to have someone, you know, from above or in front of you push you in the direction you needed to go. But for a lot of people, when it's, you know, I want to make this life change, you know, being good at something and getting paid for it, um, is not as rare as a lot of people think. What were some, or what were some of those things that you had to start to consider where, okay, I'm turning away from X amount of dollars to spend now XXX amount of dollars. What were some of the things that you were thinking about planning about and some of the things that you wanted to, to make that transition feasible? Although I, when I tell the story, it sounds very clean and clear cut. Um, as I think most people realize, that's not how life actually works, right? So it took me, you know, all throughout school, I think until the last semester of my MFA, I was still taking design jobs part time to just pay pay rent and, and get by and get through school. It was a shift in orientation and a shift in energy and focus. Um, but I I also had to get very creative with how I actually expressed that process. Um, and I like to be really transparent. I you know I came to my MFA program from very much a place of privilege where we had family that was willing to help help us make ends meet with tuition and and make that work and so I had this really strong support system but that being said you know I think I would have found another way um to get that education and and to pour myself into this and I think that's the best answer to to your question is that while you know I I did it slowly and I I did it um by making mistakes and figuring out how to do it as I went. Um, and although in my mind and my heart, it was this kind of huge shift and decision and change, it wasn't like that in my actual day-to-day -day life. In my actual day-to-day -day life, I was still doing a lot of this consulting work. I, I essentially was freelancing doing design. Um, 
and and doing that well, getting my MFA, um, which was not easy. Which is a nightmare. I, a lot of people work and go to school at the same time, and, and creative work is probably the most difficult to do because it's you know if you're painting, I'm guessing you're spending what twelve hours a day at school, in the labs, in the paint rooms, in the studio, and then another I don't know. There's what seventy five hours in a day you have to squeeze in of creating <laughs> on your right. own. That's how, certainly how it feels. <laughs> what was that transition like for you coming from your undergrad uh, art program to an MFA program where you're now focusing again in painting, which is a very specific skill set and then also mindset. Uh, it was freaking hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't sugarcoat uh, it. No, uh, in in the best way, but it was it was difficult. So my undergrad experience was, although I was always studying art, um, I got married very young. I was doing photography full time before I even started my my undergrad degree. And so um, my husband and I moved around a lot. We were um, we transferred schools multiple times, and we we both got our undergraduate de- degrees while working and kind of well adulting already, for lack of a better term. (laughs) I'm living my life and I don't need to be around a 17-year-old today. Yeah, yes. Um, I had this very piecemeal kind of education coming into the academy. And because of that, because of all those transfers and moves, I I missed a lot of of the kind of foundational courses and the the structured education of a, a traditional art school. And so that was honestly a huge part of what attracted me to the academy is that when I was looking at MFA programs, I knew I needed that. I knew I wasn't ready for the type of work that I wanted to do coming straight out of undergrad and going into a more conceptual leaning MFA program, which is, the I would say, the majority of at least what I saw when I was looking. Um, this was back in 2017. And the Academy was really this kind of unicorn (laughs) of like, they had an online program, which meant, you know, if I needed to move or relocate for whatever reason, I could, I could do that. I didn't have to go on campus. um, And I could, I could do fully online, but they also had this really high value for a traditional academic approach and, and kind of covering the foundations in a really accessible way. Like anyone can apply and, and get in as long as you take the classes you need to take to get your work up to the standard, which is a very high standard. And so it felt very accessible for me at the time, even though it was a little intimidating because I I hadn't had a lot of those foundational teaching elements. And so that's really what what drew me to the academy in the first Talk about some of those foundations because that is something very unique to the academy. But also, if you're trying to be a full-time artist, you know, these foundations are, are so important. Well, what it taught me really quickly was that essentially it didn't, it almost didn't matter up front what I wanted to paint because I needed to learn the things I needed to learn regardless. You know, so whether I am a, you know, super realist, you know, figurative painter or I'm doing, you know, abstract landscapes, there are are things you learn that transcend and, and cross over all of those different um, 
different variations. And so learning about color theory, really learning how to see light and shadow and value, learning good drawing skills, um, all of those um, on, on top of learning good work habits, learning how to um, be diligent and uh, have a good work ethic and meet deadlines and do all of, all of those things that you have to do to do well in school. Um, that was, was crucial. Cause I mean, in, in school, I mean, how often, how, how often are you putting out quote unquote finished pieces or pieces that you're going, okay, I got to turn it in. I'm, I'm, it's, it's done now. I mean, Obviously, that changed as I got more into my thesis work and moved out of the, the foundational courses. But for the first couple years of my degree, I would say 80% of what I was doing, I wouldn't want to share with the world. Sure. And, you know, it didn't feel like, oh, I don't want to put my name on this. This is, you know, this is practice. But that was honestly exactly what I needed. I needed to be shaken out of this mindset that if I'm a real artist, everything I do has to be a masterpiece, which is total crap. Right, like, exactly. It's, it's well, I, 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 it's not true. It's not true. And most of what you make is going to be garbage. And I think that's a hard part for people to think, especially, you know, there is that idea for painting. And, you know, when we talk with other painters, it's like that, you know, it, it seems like such an investment because paint is not cheap. Canvases are not free, but painting, you really are making that big commitment. So the still lifes were not your, your forte or not your, not, my uh, jam. <laughs> not what you wanted to no. become. No, um, honestly, most of what I, I did in those foundational courses was not my favorite and still life painting, uh, was probably one of my least favorite classes at, well, paradoxically being one of my most favorites because it, it so challenged me in this process of learning how to put my all into work that I didn't really like because I just, I didn't want to be a still life painter. And yet the process of doing the work, especially in still life, where you have this very controlled environment of your, your subject, and you're really just learning how to see and, and how to paint that and paint what you see, um, and do it well. Uh, I grew so much in that, not just in my technical abilities, but in the mindset that I brought to the canvas. It freed me um, to be able to say, okay, I'm here to practice. Mm -hmm. And that is hard when you're using expensive materials. That, that is hard when you're used to this mindset that you have to produce an end product that is presentable or good or um, on brand. <laughs> and it, but it's so important to be able to see your work as, as a practice. So talk to me then, you know, where did your, where did your path as a painter come from? How did you see yourself as a painter through that process to where you, you know, you've graduated and you, you've done your thesis to, you know, okay, this is what I want the world to see me as. Yeah. Um, I'm still figuring that out very much. <laughs> um, and I, I think early on, I kind of committed to not letting myself worry too much about that because I knew that I would have the tendency to overthink it and to let that prevent me from doing the work. And so I kind of made this commitment to, okay, I'm going to show up, I'm going to do the work, 
I'm going to share it with the world, whether or not, you know, I think it's perfect (laughs) and see what happens. And and I'm still very much there. Um, But the beautiful thing is that as I've practiced and practiced, and a a big part of this was taking um, the course Quick Studies, um, which is, if you're unfamiliar with it, it's 25 to 40 minutes of a timed painting, and that's all you have to do it. And you're supposed to bring it to as much of a level of finish, um, or at least, you know, being able to tell what it is, <laughs> recognizable finish as possible. Um, and it it will stretch you and grow you like crazy. And I, as I, as I started out, I knew I wanted to do um, more looser, impressionistic, representational work. Um, but throughout my first classes, throughout my own experience painting, even before the academy, um, I really struggled to loosen up and to really achieve that kind of like effortless, minimal brushwork, you know, very expressive, bold approach. Um, And what I found as I practiced and, and really through doing quick studies was that that came purely with experience. And so it was through just putting in that work that I was able to become the kind of painter I had always wanted to be. So um, if for anyone unfamiliar with my work, um, I I do a lot of portraits. I do a lot of quick study portraits um, and a lot of florals. And then uh, currently, and this was my thesis work actually, is a series of portraits. portraits of women seen through a veil of sheer flowers and foliage. So kind of like a double exposure painting of florals and figures. So clearly I don't, you know, I stay in a very specific lane, um, but it's what I am interested in and what intrigues me and uh, keeps me curious and keeps me working. And so that's where I am. That may change. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, that, that is the, the awesome part about being an artist that, you know, that, I think painting has so much of is you, you get to choose like, well, okay, I've done that. I'm going to move on. I'm going to pick a totally different style. I may throw a different medium in there. I may figure out something to say where I think with some of the other art that's out there and the other mediums like photography, it becomes very um, trend spotting as opposed to creating. Um, so, So now that you're, you know, you've graduated and, you know, you've given some great tips on, you know, what painters should look at. Give me some, you know, what was some of the hard parts for you working as a painter when you were in school and learning to be a painter? What what was that good stuff and those that really hard stuff to, to overcome? Oh, yeah. I think the, the biggest one kind of overlaps a lot of what we've been talking about. But I think for me, it was shifting from this paradigm of, working out of inspiration um, towards a a mindset of just showing up to the canvas like I'm showing up to work every day. And that is, you know, that doesn't mean that painting is not a deeply creative, personal, um, exposing kind of experience. It still is. Um, But I realized that I could do it when I was tired or angry or frustrated. Um, certainly, you know, after 2020, <laughs> a lot of a lot of uncertainty, a lot of things that I did not expect to have to deal with. Um, well, I went from having a studio space uh, 
to not being able to access it after during the pandemic and still not able to access it. And so I was working at my dining room table, you know, doing large oil paintings. <laughs> so not something I would recommend, but I, you know, so working through these really less than ideal circumstances um, and, and doing it for doing school, you know, I don't know that I would have worked through what I worked through at the canvas, you know, at the easel, um, had I just been doing it, uh, on my own, you know, I had these external accountability accountabilities with, you know, deadlines for school, with classes, with professors checking in. Um, and during the pandemic, everyone was very gracious and, and supportive, but you still had to get your work done. And, you know, when, things like that happen. And then the summer of, of 2020 with the kind of social justice uprising. Um, and I live in LA. And so this was, you know, right outside our window where we're hearing the, these protests were part of it where there's so much going on. It's so heavy. There's so much, it's really hard to, you know, it's, sit down in front of the easel and say, okay, now I'm going to create this beautiful thing that I had planned. It's you pretty know, picture time, ago. everybody. Let's, yeah. let's get yeah. going. It feels so disjointed. Um, but to be forced into a situation where I had to work through that anyway, and by work through it, I mean both literally and metaphorically. So literally get the paintings done, mm -hmm. but also in doing so, um, you know, I, I always think of it like that, you know, your canvas doesn't lie. You can't show up and, and paint. It's such a deeply personal process that, you know, whatever you're feeling is going to kind of come up as, as you're doing it. And so what I learned, though, is that I, I could really lean in to that process, even when I wasn't feeling inspired. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I look at a wall of my thesis work and I have all these paintings hanging up and I can point to some and say, oh, I was, I was inspired and just energized and I loved that process. I was really feeling it. Um, mm. And I can point to the one next to it and say, oh, that one felt like total trudgery. <laughs> but realizing that that's okay and that I can still show up to work as a painter and I can still do the work and make beautiful work and pour my whole self into it, no matter what kind of stuff I'm going through and bringing, um, you know, school, the structure of school and, you know, you could have this from other sources. I think it's, it's really that factor of external accountability, um, and structure that, that forced me to learn how to do that, to learn how to show up, um, and that was, that was a hard process. You know, that's not a fun process. I think uh, Craig had mentioned that uh, at one point. It's like, it's not, this is not supposed to be fun. You know, schooling is just, you're just learning how to do this. Then you graduate and then, then the work begins. And that's a really valuable thing. And that's probably the best advice, you know, anybody can give you is, 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 you know, you're just going to have to do the work, which, you know, is, is not the, is not the easy ticket, but we hear it more and more and, you know, more and more when we talk to people, it's like, oh man, you can start to hear the lazy procrastination in your own head. It's like, oh man, that person's really, they're, they're doing that every day. But that brings us to our next big question of what are you doing, um, 
and how are you looking at your business? How are you structuring your business as a fine art painter? That is a great question. And the most authentic answer I can give you is that I'm very much in the midst, you know, neck deep in figuring that out as we have this conversation. Um, so I graduated uh, in December of 2020. Um, so just a couple months ago, really. And I, I then found myself, you know, I've sold a number of originals on Instagram. I It was a good chunk of my income over the past year year, year or two, um, it had slowly kind of taken over consulting as I, um, shared more and more and my audience grew through sharing my paintings on Instagram, um, finally got my website up and going. So slowly kind of like making that shift again, very messy, very slow. Um, we're also still living in a pandemic. And so in terms of, you know, how do I go get a gallery show right now? I have no idea. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going to figure that out. Um, and so right now I am in the process of moving uh, what has been a very uh, spontaneous, very informal business model. So just selling work on Instagram based on inquiries that I get. If someone DMs me and says, hey, is this available? I'm like, sure, can you do Venmo? <laughs> you know, right. that's been what it's looked like. Um, and it's been really cool to see the um, all the work that I've put into sharing my work. It's like, why do people use these apps, right? And it's, yeah, on one hand, it's connect to connect with people you know in real life, but that's probably not most of it, probably a good chunk of it is to, you know, make you feel something, make you feel a certain way, to be inspired, to find something cool. And so people really are on there looking. They're looking for someone doing something cool. <laughs> They're looking for something to inspire them. And, you know, what a good place to be as a painter. <laughs> We're forgetting that Instagram is not that old and selling art really is. But how has, how has, the non-traditional route of, you know, you even just beginning to work on Instagram and this online presence, how has that worked for you? It's brought me every opportunity, you know, aside for outside of school, every creative opportunity I've had around my art, um, whether to, you know, I have had a, a couple of shows, um, you know, a few different collaborations, certainly a number of commissions, all of those have come from Instagram. Really? Yes, like 100% have come from from sharing my work because otherwise no one knows. You know, even, peop right. even people I'm friends with, it's not like I walk around with a billboard, like sandwich board, like I am a painter, you know? like <laughs> You don't have a work. couple canvases in your trunk, you just go, hey, <laughs> yeah. 16 by 20. I mean, I usually 10, do. You want. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but really it's, you know, it's so, I think it's essential for, for anyone working out, even if you do have gallery representation. Um, but the where I'm moving now is to kind of formalize this process. So I'm working on building my own online store where people can, you know, see what I have available and purchase it directly from my website. Um, and that's going to be launching in March and I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> well, kind of, I, kind know, of the answer. I, I, I'm thinking we, we, we may talk again because I, I think having people see your process, 
the good and the bad and the ups and the downs have to has to be interesting. But what I mean, I, I'm going to ask you this again because even though it, it, it you, you answered it, it, it just seems so flabbergasting to me as somebody who had, you know went through this process 20 years ago. Are you really fine? You know, it's really as simple as, hey, I like your picture. I will give you money. Send it to me. Hundred percent. Really? Yeah, really? that's it. Yeah. And that, so I, I haven't been advertising that my work is available though. And so I feel like that's an important distinction to make for people listening and watching is that, um, you know, this was really just a process of me wanting to kind of, you know, establish a practice of sharing the journey online. That's what Instagram has been. Um, and the, beautiful thing is that that's really resonated with people and then people have liked my work and inquired about it and I've made sales that way so it's been this very accidental kind of organic um, process and that you know over the last year has really grown to the point where um, you know starting out I would cover a grocery bill with that and then eventually I was you know paying rent um, but it's really kind of amazing that you know, I've, I've put in this work of sharing my process and my journey over the last four years. And, and now I'm at this point where it's like, oh, I, I can put my stuff up on a website and make it available for sale. And I have this audience of, you know, going on 15,000 people who are, are interested in that work. And obviously, you know, much smaller percentage are going to be the ones who actually follow through with that and purchase something. But that's an opportunity that, you know, we didn't have 10, 20 years ago by any means. And, and so it's that direct access, not only for people to collect your work, but for people to, for you to bring them in to the journey of your work. So the things that an artist statement might accomplish in a gallery show, you have the opportunity to do that on such a personal, intimate level with people. And that is a really rewarding experience that, that I've really enjoyed. Um, and so I can't, you know, I can't imagine doing this without a tool like that. Um, and obviously, you know, times will change, technology will change. Um, Instagram changes all the time. Um, nothing is guaranteed, but it's that kind of direct connection that I think has been the most valuable thing for me. And and now that you've got this tool and we have this ability to you know talk to anybody in the world and show everybody in the world what we're doing, um, what does a career look like to you? When your mind, what is the the goal and granted that goal could be for next year or 10 years. Um, but what is the goal for you now as a working painter? That's a great question. Um, I have kind of two very distinct answers to this. One is, um, to be a, a working painter and be making a good living on this, doing it full time. And, I would love to have, you know, gallery representation and to work towards that. And that's something I'm going to be working on. But even just to start, even this year, um, my main priority is probably going to be creating work and selling it directly to collectors on my own website. And so um, the way that I think that plays out is in this very um, kind of seasonal cycle of creating work, marketing it making it available for sale and then doing it again. 
Um, and so it different artists do that very differently. Um, but that's kind of the model that I'm looking at at this moment. Um, and my goal is to work towards, you know, that being, <laughs> that being all I'm doing. Um, that being said, in the long term, I would love to um, have kind of a more community-based career. Eventually, I want to start an arts collective and a, a studio space where people could have memberships and come join and be part of a more kind of tactile, tangible community. Obviously, that's in a post-pandemic world, <laughs> you know, in a physical space. And so, hence the, you know, long-term goal. <laughs> Um, but I really, I, the, the best parts of this process for me have always been, um, within the context of community and within the context of doing this in proximity to other artists. And that can be a really hard thing to find. Um, you have a lot of spaces, uh, that are either extremely accessible, but they're very, um, not very serious about craft or about the arts, you know, like your wine and paint nights or sure. whatever. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Which are not bad. Um, yeah, there's a place for that. Yep. But it's very different than, you know, going for your MFA. And you find community here too when you go for an MFA or you go to art school. But not everyone can afford that either. And so there's this kind of gap in the middle where there's not a lot of access to um, creative community and art education. And... I would love for my career to be oriented in some way around filling that gap. Um, I don't know exactly what that will look like yet, but it's definitely on my radar for the long run. Well, it's interesting you say that because that was one of the things that I, I think a lot of people um, from the outside looking in, like I'm not an artist, but I see artists and I, I'm related to somebody who wants to be an artist. You see a lot of artists also teaching and educating and leading workshops. And that's a massive part of the process, not only for, you know, income, but it does help you get better by explaining what you're doing. And, you know, teaching after you've graduated is pretty standard and and not to be poo-pooed. <laughs> not at all. And and I think, you know, that's a part of the journey that I think I, I would enjoy too. That's something I, I want to do. Um, and I think you're right. You learn um, about your craft and your own work uh, in a, a very unique way when you're teaching. Um, and I had this experience with photography of, you know, it's one thing to do it. It's another thing to be able to teach it. And sure. I, you know, that's something that I value that learning that would come with that. So there you have it, some great inspiration. If you have ever thought about being a painter or a little bit later in life, deciding, you know what? I really do want to be an artist. I want to be a working artist. And if you've ever dreamed that dream, more and more art and design career opportunities are fortunately on the rise and employers are always on the hunt for the next generation of talented and skilled creative professionals. And here at Academy of Art University, you will get those work-ready skills that employers and galleries want. You can study on-site in downtown San Francisco or anywhere in the world with our online programs. To request information about our 40-plus areas of study in art and design, painting, graphic design, game development, and more, just visit our website at academyart.edu slash creativemind. I'm Bobby Brill. Thanks for listening.